horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, and welcome to another edition of The Regular Guy. That's right, we're in December now. It's the holiday season. I hope everybody's getting in the spirit. And remember, we should treat every day like Christmas. So hopefully you'll all find a bunch of winners uh, under your tree in the days ahead. But until then, let's get back to reality want to set the show up and then we'll get to the big news of the week as you know i don't think i gotta tell you what that is but our first guest will be clint bentley he's the co-writer and director of jockey and now that's going to come out at limited release over the holiday season uh this uh film was very very well received at the Sundance Festival, and so now it is moving over onto the big screen. I was blessed with a chance to preview it. It is sensational, uh, not only in its content, but in its visuals, in its music, uh, its acting, uh, every single thing about it. Um, you know, uh, Clint Bentley really did a fantastic job with his partner, Greg Quadar. But that's just a little tease of who's going to be up here. He's going to give us the details, and I'm telling you, the movie is fantastic. Our second guest will be uh, Sean Byrne. Sean and I worked together many, many years ago up in the announcer's booth at beautiful River Downs. And he's worked his way up through the system, and now he is the director of the equine industry program at the University of Louisville. And uh, we'll talk about some of the graduates are making a name for themselves and uh, a lot of the different things that the uh, University of Louisville is offering for those of you who may have a kid at home. You may be the one listening saying, you know, I'm looking for a change in career. I'm looking for something different, a sport that's been around for about 200 years. Let me try racing. So we'll get into all the different changes in the program and the different things going on in the horse racing industry that Sean Byrne uh, bestows upon his students. And uh, don't forget, you're listening to Winning Ponies, so we want you to come on over to our website. Uh, they're still racing all over the place around the holidays. Now, you got to keep an eye out because a lot of the races fall on Fridays. A lot of them will fall on the Mondays following holidays. So keep an eye out. I know you're fitting in some football games around there, but uh, our easy win forms uh, <laughs> They'll help you, especially with the hodgepodge that's uh, getting thrown out there right now. Just yesterday, I mean, uh, at Gulfstream Park, we had a $1 Super 5 that paid 2996 Not too bad. And we go all over the country. The Big A Aqueduct in action. I had a $1 Pick 6 that paid over $2,500. Don't take my word for it. We post our picks and the results up on winningponies.com. Well, I don't have to tell you what the news of the week was, and it's about racing, so of course, it's bound to be bad news. It looks like Medina Spirit has died of an apparent heart attack. Uh, it happened at uh, Santa Anita, 
after a five furlong workout uh, just a few days ago. It was Monday of this week and uh, completed that workout in 101 and 2. Very solid work. The breeze took place about 7.45 in the morning, and they say he went by kind of fast. He looked good, and then all of a sudden uh, made a strange sound and just lied down on the track. So in these situations, you assume uh, that they have to do with the heart, but there's a lot of different things that could cause that happen along the way. Obviously, because the horse is trained by Bob Baffert, uh, the horse is going to be looked over from top to bottom. And uh, interesting news that uh, just uh, came out uh, just a couple hours ago was that uh, the University of Minnesota, uh, they have special researchers that are going to study the death of Medina Spirit. Uh, so the autopsy uh it will be conducted initially at the University of California, and then samples of the hair, blood, and heart will be sent on uh, to the Veterinary Medicine, Equine Genetics, and Genomics Laboratory um, in Minnesota. So we will find out. So it's a very small percentage of cases where a horse actually su suffers a rupture of the aorta or another large vessel around the heart. So uh, they'll find out during the examination exactly what happened. I can pretty much guarantee you it wasn't the uh, the use of any betamethasone or any other kind of, uh, uh, shall we say, a therapeutic drug that could help the horse. Uh, it happens, but boy, it uh, happened at the wrong time to the wrong guy, a horse that just ran second in a $6 million race that had nowhere to go but up. Obviously, uh, he was going to race again as a four-year-old. I mean, uh, he sold as a yearling for $1,000, and later, after they got him looking good and everything, he brought 35000 as a two-year-old in training, and... Uh, so, uh, you know, he, what can we say? You know, the, the what, what's going to happen at Churchill Downs is still in question. Uh, the betamethasone that was discovered in the system, they have clarified the fact that it was not an injection. It was a cream that betamethasone was one of the many ingredients that were in this cream, especially, you know, kind of think about clearasil for horses. That's what it was. They were trying to clear up a rash on the horse's rump. So he looked good going over to post for the Kentucky Derby. But veterinarians should have read those ingredients a little bit closer. We will find out now, though, because we do know it was a cream and there was no uh, intent uh, to deceive on the part of Baffert um, whether or not that will change the outcome of the Kentucky Derby. But at this point, does it matter? I mean, he won't be going off to stud. Um, he won't be racing anymore. Uh, I'm sure it's a case for the courts to be decided, but it's just, uh, it, it would have made a great uh, movie. It really would have to be uh, shunned and only bring $1,000. And... Uh, uh, to, to go on to, uh, to, to Derby, uh, Derby uh, victory. All right, let's take a look at some of the other things. We know that uh, that, that has happened, and we will find out. How about Irad Ortiz uh, being suspended for 30 days? Um, 
they're not giving him any question. Let me tell you, he had some uh, close calls uh, that I could see uh, uh, during this weekend. But this happened uh, when he cut off another horse on a run down the backstretch and actually bumped him hard and caused the rider to go down. Uh, Luckily, Omar Hernandez Moreno was not seriously injured. But, uh, hey, leading rider or not, uh, they are not going to take that. Uh, from Irad Ortiz. He said, it doesn't matter who you are, but they are getting serious. Uh, 30 days for Ortiz. Um, let's see. Now, as you know, this time of year, we always have a lot of shuffling with the stallions, prices uh, changing, uh, horses being moved. And we've got a couple of horses that were headline grabbers that uh, that will be uh, that will be going uh uh, to other places, uh, Windstar will be shipping out Carpe Diem and Exaggerator. Uh, they've been sold. They're going to take up stud duties in new locations. Uh, Carpe Diem will be syndicated in Louisiana. And uh, Exaggerator, you're going to find him uh, standing stud in Kentucky. So a Preakness winner, uh, did I say Kentucky? Texas. Exaggerator's going to Texas because one of the co-owners was Rocker Row Ranch and they decided to buy out the other partners and Exaggerator will stand there. You don't forget, he won the Preakness Stakes and the Haskell Invitational. I got a feeling he's going to be pretty popular uh, when he gets down to the Lone Star State. And Klimt, if I'm saying that correct, I know it's the name of a legendary painter. Uh, he is going to be going to Turkey. You know, it's interesting. We forget over the years different uh, horses that we've reco- reported about going to Turkey. And uh, he's over there with the horses that are used to be standing here. Battleground, Bodemeister, Lionheart, uh, Super Saver. And I believe Victory Gallop, who denied real quiet the Triple Crown, is the leading sire in Turkey. Um, over $10 million in U.S. money. All right, here's some good news for the Buckeye State. Sports betting bill has been passed by the Ohio legislature. Um, once again, Kentucky gets passed over. Now, sports betting bills go through. The governor's got to sign it, but the governor was behind it. Mike DeWine, his name is. And so uh, they'll become the 33rd state if all goes well. Again, I don't think you'll see anything up and running until two But uh, nonetheless, uh, they still got a debate. Obviously, all the casinos and the racetracks will be getting them. But uh, uh, whether or not it's going to be going to VFWs, local bars, uh, sports venues, uh, has yet to be determined. And Wesley Ward, he's going to try to get his money from the Ramseys one way or the other. A judge in Kentucky is allowing Wesley Ward to sell 14 horses he trains for Ken and Sarah Ramsey, uh, the blood horse reported on Thursday. So uh, you can look for these horses to be sold at the January Horses of All Ages sale. Uh, the now the the 
Ramsey's are trying to block it, but it sounds to me like uh, it, it's going to go through. So uh, this includes uh, Artie's Princess, who's a grade two winner up in Canada. So Wesley Ward's saying, look, I did the work for you. I want to get my money back. And my friends over at the Turf Publicist, we've got some shuffles near the top. Uh, Dave Zinner, who as a freelancer, has been there forever as the secretary treasurer. Thank God, because it's hard, hard work and there's no pay. And and so Dave is going to stay on as the secretary treasurer. Our good friend Tom Lamar that's been on the show a lot. Right now he's the communications director for the Maryland Thoroughbred uh, Horsemen's Association and uh, the managing editor of the Thoroughbred Horses uh, Association's website. Uh, does a whole lot of things in the Mid-Atlantic. Anyhow, Tom has been on the show. He's a good friend. Uh, he's going to be vice president as Ryan Martin, uh, who is a racing communications specialist for Naira. Good luck, guys. I love that organization. And Delmar ended the year with record wagering, safe racing. You can't beat that uh, track record wagering mark. Of $943 million. So uh, congratulations to Delmar. They were up over 10% the last time they had a Breeders' Cup races. And hold on, because it'll be July 22nd any day now. And that's when they're going to gear back up for their 83rd uh, racing season. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. And we come back. We should be with Clint Bentley, the writer and producer of the upcoming holiday movie, Jackie's. You're going to want to see it. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com john and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. 
Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, I gave you a little bit of a tease at the top of the show about Clint Bentley and the movie Jackie. And with us right now is Clint. Clint, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Hey, before I get on with the interview, is it Greg Quadar? Quadar. Lithuanian. Aha, Lithuanian. Uh, but uh, Clint has, has partnered up with uh, Greg Quadar to, to put this uh, together. These guys, they met after graduating from college. They got similar interests. They started making shorts and documentaries. Uh, Transpecos, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, finally, yeah. Um, that was a thriller, and in that movie was Clifton Collins Jr., who is very dominant uh, as the lead actor in in Jockeys. Uh, but uh, Clint, I I want to welcome you to Winnie Ponies, but I want to tell you, I I turned the lights off. I put your movie on, and I was just it, it was fantastic because. Um, it really kind of, you don't realize you're watching a movie, you kind of, you, you feel like you're part of an event. Uh, you get you get sucked into these people's lives, and you do such an outstanding job of, of presenting it, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back to the building blocks of this movie, Clint. Um, first of all, what really caught my attention was the fact that your father used to be a jockey. Yeah, thank you for saying all of that. That's that's really kind. Um, and yeah, my dad was a jockey. I grew up kind of uh, my my brother and sister and I grew up going around the circuit with him. And that was really once I became uh, a filmmaker a little later in life. That was really the impetus for for wanting to make the movie was just to not only show a side of horse racing on kind of this working class level of tracks um, that's such an interesting lifestyle that I didn't feel like we had seen in film before. Um, and then even beyond that, just to tell the story of a jockey, which for all the horse racing movies there are out there, I don't feel like uh, any really focused on that. No, and that's just it. And I want to tell our audience that uh, if, if they're expecting to see Seabiscuit or Secretariat, they're not going to get it. This isn't a film that relies on on high action and, you, you know, the, the colorful horse racing no. scenes, which, as you know from watching equine movies, more often than not, they get it wrong. You know, you got the horse coming into the first turn with blinkers on. He's, in, he's coming around the second <laughs> turn, and he's a chestnut, and he hits the wire, and he's a gray. You know, hey, come on. We need some continuity here, folks. And you were able to grab that. And th th there's there's nothing in this this flick that our, our viewers, who I'm sure have watched everything since National Velvet, um, will see that's going, oh, that's wrong. They wouldn't do that. Or that's wrong. They wouldn't do that. I think between your experience and the, the way that uh, you and Gregor and your and your 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 videographer uh, have combined to put this together. Like I said, it just kind of sucks you in uh, to it. It, it. You forget you're watching a movie. You feel you're part of a scene. And put on top of that um, uh, words that I try to look up that I don't quite understand is uh, the burrito style of, of your uh, 
your photographer. It, it was sensational. Um, it, it, I almost felt, I don't know what to say, but your shoulders move with it. You kind of, uh, you, you explained <laughs> to me what that is because it's fantastic feeling that sucks you into this movie. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, a lot of that realism, that was something I hoped that we could achieve from the beginning is that you watch it and you're, and you feel like you're transported to that world. Um, and we had a huge amount of help, not only from the people at the track that we shot at, which was, we shot at Turf Paradise in, in Phoenix, um, and Vincent Francie and, and his whole team just did an extraordinary amount for us to help us get that realism. And then we also had a lot of, of real jockeys helping us too, um, Scott Stevens and GR Carter among them. And so anytime that, that we would get in a scene that was a little bit above my pay grade in terms of uh, how to keep this real, somebody like that would step in and say, hey, try this instead, and it would really help. Um, and then, yeah, the, the way we shot it, uh, our, our cinematographer uh, is Adolfo Veloso, who's this brilliant uh, cinematographer from, from Brazil, and he's just got such a natural style that can somehow blend um, documentary style shooting. So you really feel enveloped in the scene, but, but also this, this really cinematic, uh, camera movement and, and style that, um, that really elevates it beyond, I think, even what, what I hoped it would be. You know, I, I think for viewers of this film that don't know that are going to walk away and going, what was it about this movie that made me connect with it? And I think it is because of your experience, your experience in making documentaries that um, there's almost like a, a foggy line between, is this a movie or a documentary? You do a marvelous mm -hmm. job at, shall I say, involving or confusing the viewer. <laughs> no, thank you. And I mean, that's the, that's the goal of any filmmaker. And I really appreciate you saying that. Um, whether you're making a, a, a small movie like this with a crew of 10 people or whether you're making Spider-Man 4, you hope that it's something, it's an experience for the viewer where they can get lost in it and, and, and really just give themselves over to it without, without knowing about it and then um, come out on the other side and, and it, it still be with them. Oh, well, you know, I, I and, and I think another thing, and again, it puts in perspective uh, when 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 you when you watch this is the leverage you have. And people say, "What do you mean the leverage you've had?" This film was shot in twenty days. Now, this was Clint's first <laughs> as a feature as a director, and to think that it was shot in twenty days. But the thing is. You didn't have the cluster group that happens when you're shooting a, a humongous film with 100 people on this set. That had to give you a, a, a unique uh, uh, sense of control over, over everything that was happening because you had to have that with only 20 days to shoot. It was not, it was amazing, actually. It, it, it was one of those, those many incidents where we took something that was uh, uh, a bit of a... Um, uh, something that we didn't have enough of and we turned it into something much more. And yeah, we only had a crew of 10 people, which is, you know, maybe a third of the size of a normal film crew um, that would be shooting a feature. And we only shot for 20 days. And yet everyone on the crew was, was so hardworking and, and so good at their jobs that, that every, 
we just moved very, we were able to move very quickly. The actors were amazing. Even, uh, you know, most of the actors in the movie outside of our three leads um, are, were people from the track and trainers and jockeys and, and uh, just people from that world playing versions of themselves. And um, I, I got to say, like, it, it, it's something that was, uh, it was amazing. It was only possible because we had such a, such an incredible crew and, and such natural actors who could, who knew the material so well and could just blend into the scene. Um, and it gave us much more than anything we gave up. One of the hardest things when you're making a movie is to capture poetry and, and to, and to get things like, wild horses on a river just walking by or, or to get a, a, a flock of birds coming by at sunset um, right through your frame. And, uh, and we were able, we were so nimble that we were able to just move around and get these things as we, as we got inspired. Uh, th- that is, uh, I, I want to clarify this for our listeners. You were out on this, a set shooting a shot and from out of nowhere, these horses appeared. You didn't corral those in there. I mean, this was just a magical <laughs> act of God. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of magic that we were given on this shoot. Um, and one of those that was there, there's an area where there are wild horses out in, um, out, uh, in Arizona, North of Phoenix. And, um, and we were just out shooting with our actor Clifton Collins Jr. And shooting a scene um, uh, along a river and, and kind of just like, hoping to get a nice scene out of it. And then, uh, out of, off the bank, these, all these wild horses walk out. And so it's a whole little group of them led by a white mare. Uh, it, it couldn't have been more magical. And they came out right at sunset, right as the sun had gone down over the mountains and it was just perfect. And one of the, I could spend an hour on this, uh, on this program talking about all of those little happy accidents that we got and those, those just blessings that we got. But, uh, that was definitely one of the highlights for us. And, and, and I and I think in, in that way you, you, your frailty is, shall I say, in working with a small group, gave you more flexibility. And in that, people that shoot documentaries, it's like, oh, something's happening, go get it. Yeah, uh, you know, the flock of birds flying out of the tree, the horses coming out of nowhere. You've got that leverage to all of a sudden to do it because you don't have some producer going, no, this isn't in the shot. And it helped us. That's exactly right. And it helped us. The, the other part of the division for the movie was to always shoot uh, the film on a working racetrack. So, so we're trying to fold our crew in to jockeys in the jocks room who are getting ready for a race or go out to the paddock while everybody's getting ready for a race um, or be, have, our, have our actors in the starting gates, not on horses, uh, but, but in the starting gates, um, you know, looking like they're on horses while all the other jockeys and horses are being loaded in and we wanted to always make sure we did that safely and you can do it so much safer actually with a smaller crew and 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 also kind of disappear into the world in a way that you're not endangering anybody on the crew or anybody on horses or or anybody just watching um and so it definitely became a strength along the way now i know as someone that facilitated a, a group. I don't know if you're familiar with the Hennigan brothers, uh, but the Hennigan brothers have won two Eclipse Awards uh, for their documentaries. One was called First Saturday in May, where they followed oh, yeah. uh, 
X number of horses uh, through the Kentucky Derby. And uh, the other one was called Iron Man Perry Utes, of which I was a part of. And the hardest part initially was getting the track to go along with it. They thought, oh my God, these guys are going to be tripping over each other. They're going to have cameras spooking horses. <laughs> you know all the worries that went into you getting this done. And I, oh, first yeah. of all, I assured them, I'm going to be with them every second of the day, which I didn't sleep for three. And But they came in and in three days knocked out an Eclipse Award winning documentary. <laughs> um, but but again, they had a small crew. They had the leverage. If something happened, they could turn their camera and, and catch a white horse trying to buck off Perry Utes, who is dressed all in black. And it's just that leverage you have and, you know, being watching it. But I guess my original question was, was it hard for you to get the blessing of the track or did you have to have somebody with you at all times, making sure you didn't screw up? You know, I, I'll, I'll give all credit there to uh, Vince Francia, who, who's the general manager over at Turf Paradise. Um, and, you know, he definitely, uh, we, we had discussions early on when we were first asking him for, for the permission to shoot there and, and trying to work out what that would look like and what we could and couldn't do. And he was just such a, an amazing guiding hand at, at not only being very intuitive uh, and, and, you know, trusting that um, as the son of a jockey and someone who had grown up on the backside, I've seen how things can go wrong uh, very badly and very quickly as anybody who's been back in the barns have and, and seen what, what accidents look like. Um, and I, that I wanted to avoid those at, at all costs. Um, and then he was very clear at, at just telling us and, and being a guiding hand at, at saying, you know, this is okay to do. That's not okay to do. This is where I don't think you should, uh, you should film and that's where you can. And, and, um, and then as we went along, you know, there was no, there was no spots where they, they kept us away from it. It was always a good barometer to have vents there to, uh, you know, to just make sure we were, we were in the right place and thinking about more than just the, the image on the screen. Uh, a very moving part of the film uh, was when you had the jockeys gathered in, I'll call it kind of a therapy session, where <laughs> slowly but surely that they started bringing out um, – the the litany of, of injuries that they sustained. I don't think Joe Sixpack understands what these guys go through. You do as, as, as the son of a jockey. But I, I thought something was interesting in coming out. I was like, have you ever had a bad fall? It's like, well, you know, not really. I've had my back broken. I've had my face reconstructed. I I had three broken legs, but no, I never really had a bad fall. Unless these guys are in a wheelchair, they don't consider the fact that they got hurt. They're amazing. It's incredible. Um, And it is, you know, uh, statistically, jockeys are the, the sports men and women who are uh, injured and, and, and brutally injured more than any other sport that there is, um, which is, is, is tragic. Um, but yeah, that was something that early on that, that line that you mentioned there uh, was actually a direct line from just a, a lot of what Greg and I did in terms of research kind of going into the movie to fill in the gaps of, of what I didn't know and, and what we both didn't know. Um, uh, going into making it was just talking to jockeys 
And one of the, that was a direct line from one of them when we were talking to him is, you know, we asked him, have you ever been hurt bad? And he just ran down this litany of injuries of breaking collarbones and ankles and wrists and all this stuff. And he's like, no, but I've been lucky. I've never been hurt bad. And that's something that they, uh, they, they look at it as just in the same way that if, you know, a male delivery driver looks at a flat tire as just part of the job and, and, and part of something that happens, um, jockeys look at getting injured that way. And unless it's something that either keeps them from riding or it's such a bad injury that, that, um, you know, gives you the fear, uh, where you, where you don't feel comfortable back on a horse in a race, um, they don't even look at it as being hurt. And that scene in question that you're talking about was, there were so many things that I was hoping to get across in the movie that if I had done a documentary, we could have gotten those things across. But as a, as a script, if you start putting those things in script and writing, they just, they, they fall flat and they don't sound good. Um, but if we can kind of break form and just become a documentary for, for eight minutes of the movie and just let these jockeys speak in their own voice, um, it'll sound better than anything we could write. And, and so that was what that was. We just set up all these jockeys in a circle. It was Scott Stevens and Logan Cormier and Carl Williams and Mikey Barra and Aki Kato and, um, and they just sat around and just started talking. And I would just throw out a question every five or 10 minutes. But as anybody who's ever been around, really anybody in horse racing knows, uh, you don't have to do much to get them to start telling a story. No, they are curious. I have to ask you, uh, we're talking with Clint Bentley, uh, the writer and uh, director of Jackie that should be out soon. Um, how about your father? Did he come through it relatively unscathed? I understand he was able to turn a career into being a jockey. I mean, a trainer. He was, he, uh, you know, he, he left jockey. Um, uh, gosh, I, I would mix up the years, but it was when I was like in middle school, he, he stopped talking and then he was breaking horses for people. Um, and, uh, and, um, then from there, once, once I was like in college, then he, he started training horses and, uh, and so, yeah, it's, he, he had the kind of, uh, life where he could stay with it for a long time and in a way that not a lot of people can, I think. Uh, well, um, I, I have to ask you, Clint, uh, I, I, I know that, that you had, had the experience, but what was it? Cause Again, we're going. I do everything backwards. Going back to the beginning of <laughs> of getting set, getting immersed in in doing this film, you understood a lot of it. What was it like when Greg, you took him to the backstretch and had him live there for a couple of days? What was it like the first time you saw his eyes when he woke up the next day and saw <laughs> what was going on? It was amazing, actually, to see to see that world through his eyes as somebody who had never, I don't even know if he had been to a horse race before. And so he was really coming in fresh. And then, um, and then, yeah, we got with a trainer, uh, at, uh, John Buchanan, um, who helped us out a ton and, um, and his wife, Iris, and they got us onto a track in Houston and seeing him see the world for the first time, I'd had an inkling that this should be a movie, but as soon as he saw it and, and, uh, and just saw all the movement behind the barns and everything going on and, and, and kind of this mix of, of, of like laziness of, of just there's a lot of time to kill in between things and just, and just clean installs. But then also, you know, um, action happening in a, in a moment. Um, uh, he, he just immediately took to it. 
And it actually taught me a lot about the world that I didn't know because he was coming to it with fresh eyes and would ask questions that I didn't think to ask and would notice things that I didn't even maybe think were special that, that, uh, that he really did. So it was really, it's really amazing having, having that fresh set of eyes and, uh, and, and being able to write the, the film with him. Wow. That, that synergy really, uh, uh, came off so well because you you guys took uh, y- your two worlds, combined them, and I'm out of time, but I have to at least mention, I'd be sitting here and all of a sudden I'd get this feeling that I was being enveloped by something. The soundtrack is, you. it's not in your face, but then all of a sudden, as a scene goes on and the actors mm. perhaps stop uh, talking, and you just let this music envelop the rest of the scene, and it's it's heavenly. I'm telling you, Clint, you, you did a great job. You, and uh, these guys used to be the main players in a group that a lot of people will know, The National. Yeah, the Aaron and Bryce Desner did the did the score for the movie, and they are uh, actually still they, they they still make albums with the National. Um, they're incredible. Uh, they're incredible composers and incredible musicians, and I don't have to uh, really sell them because they have uh, three movies with scores out right now: Cyrano, which is coming out, um, uh, Mike Mills' movie called Come On, Come On, and Jockey. And then they just, uh, Aaron Desner just produced the last two Taylor Swift albums. So they were very wow. kind to spend some time on, on Jockey, and, and they did a beautiful job. Well, uh, just like a horse race, I've come to the wire. My time is done. <laughs> Clint Bentley, A, I want to thank you for being on the show, and B, my hat is off to you for presenting uh, racing as uh, it, as it should be seen, and I really play, pray that our listeners uh, will will a attend the movie and b spread the word. Jackie is something you want to see, and it's your not your ordinary racing film. It it, it, it will leave you with your soul stirring. Thank you, John. Thank you, everyone, for listening. All right, that was Clint Bentley. I'm behind the clock, so let's hurry up. Andrew will get me in and out of a commercial, and we come back, my buddy, Sean Byrne. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com The home of the easy win form The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses At most American and Canadian tracks Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races Don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. 
The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, uh, a gentleman that uh, I uh, got to know many years ago, back when uh, he was cutting his teeth as a track announcer. Uh, But since then, my friend Sean Byrne has gone on to many bigger and better things. Uh, He worked with uh, uh, the Roberts Communication Network in Las Vegas for a lot of years. Uh, He... uh, called races, uh, at, uh, places down, uh, way down yonder in, uh, in Louisiana. Uh, he's done a little bit of everything, uh, working up at Arlington International's early days and then became a track announcer, worked his way up to becoming the director of equine industry program at the university of Louisville. With no further ado, Sean Byrne, how are you, my man? I'm great, John. Great to hear your voice again. It's been too long. Boy, I'll tell you what, I still have to take a step back every time I, I see you in a publication or read a press release. I said, damn, there's old Sean, you know? Yeah. Look at this guy, the director of equine industry programs. So happy for you, but you worked hard for it. Uh, you certainly deserve it. And hey, you're back in Louisville. I mean, it's amazing how racy can take you full circle, huh? Yeah, you know, you. I grew up here. Went out into the industry after graduating from the program, did various things for 28 years, like you mentioned, uh, including being a racing commissioner. And then, you know, here, lo and behold, I'm back home, back to where it all started. So it's nice to be home. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, you know, uh, between you and RTIP, you guys are getting a lot of press. I had never heard that much about the equine industry program at the University of Louisville till I started meeting people. Uh, as you know, uh, uh, Jeff and JoLynn Johnston, they were both uh, early graduates of the program long before you were there, obviously. You guys were about the same age. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then I started hearing more and more about the program at Louisville, which, you know, having a school of your uh, kind is a, just a natural for the state of Kentucky. Yeah, it is, John, and it's a very unique program. I was one of the first graduates out of the program, and I'm going to show my age here, way back in 1990. And this program is is very unique because it's focused on business. As you mentioned, our our friends in Arizona, they're in the agriculture department. They do uh, things to to put students in places, um, most, you know, working in the racing departments and and working in track management and those type of things. But our our students get the business of the industry, a business background. When they walk out, they have a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration and it's a really good degree. It's helped me through the entirety of my career. Uh, It's kind of neat too, because I I talked to a lot of people and say, yeah, you know, I graduated from here. I graduated from here. And now I was just reading a a recent press release that uh, two of your former students, Jason Barkley and Bentley Combs are now uh, on the board of the Kentucky HBPA. Uh, that's a pretty big leap from your program and in a few years becoming on the board of the Kentucky HBPA. 
Absolutely. You know, we we uh, one of the things we've been saying is we're building leaders for the industry, and Jason and Bentley are are two of those young leaders in the sport. Uh, I know Jason personally because I'm involved in a small ownership group that has a horse that Jason's actually training for us, and um, Bentley's done quite well. And you know, it was funny. You know, both of these guys are stepping up and making their mark now as, as members of the national or of the Kentucky HBPA board. But I, I recently uh, went before the Parimutuel Taxation Task Force. Uh, you had Damon Thayer on your show, Senator Damon Thayer on your show a couple months ago, talking about the work that they're doing, looking at uh, the parimutuel wagering industry in the state of Kentucky. And as part of my presentation, talking about our program, I put together kind of a, a list of some of our former graduates and, people that are doing great things in the industry. And, you know, in addition to Jason and Bentley, you've got people like Jack Sisterson who's training at Calumet Farm. You've got oh. Alyssa and Destin Heath who are over at Windstar Farm. He's oh, the main sure. trainer, Destin. Yeah. Um, Taylor Ray is working as a senior marketing manager for the United States Equestrian Foundation. Robert Forbeck, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of both of ours, is a senior vice president for the Daily Racing Forum. Liz Crow is a graduate of our program. She's a blood, you know, she's a bloodstock agent and responsible for acquiring Monomoy Girl. Um, and, and Aaron Kinsey, who works in simulcast operations at Churchill Downs. Um, recently, Alyssa Carinder came out of our program a year and a half ago, and she's now running the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation location, the new sanctuary at Chestnut Hall. Um, Michelle Fisher a very close friend of mine and now teaching in our program is doing all kinds of great things. She was a former head of sport tech in the wagering division. So Jerry Palmasado, a special assistant to the president of Churchill Downs. I mean, when I presented this at the, at the uh, task force, Senator Thayer actually said, you know, I know most of those people. So they're doing great <laughs> things. I'm really proud of our graduates. <laughs> that, that's great. Well, um, you know, since we last be last spoke, you know, I, I guess you could just go with the flow. But th there's actually been changes in the program since the last time I talked to you. Absolutely, John. We've when I first talked to you, uh, it's been a couple of years now. We were still um, going through some changes after the, the passing, the unfortunate passing of Tim Caps, where I came in and took the program over, and. Um, We've, we now have three PhDs in our department. It's the first time we've had three PhDs in the equine department since near the beginning of the program when Shannon Nybergs, Richard Tallheimer, and Dr. Robert Lawrence were all in our program. And one of the ones that I'm really proud of that we recently added is we brought one of our own home. Uh, Dr. Catherine Amy Lawyer, she goes by Amy, is a graduate of our program, and she went out and did some work in Colorado, and she was most recently working as an extension specialist for the University of Kentucky Ag Program. And we brought her into our program now, and she's an incredible addition. Um, she's teaching a leadership course, and we're really proud of the leadership course. In fact, we had 50 students in it this year. Um, when we were doing some work on this graduate certificate I'll talk about in a few minutes, Amy... Uh, we found out from people in the industry in focus groups, you know, obviously the industry needs leadership. So we added a course for it and it's been really popular. Now, uh, so, so what, what, what steps would I have to take to get to, uh, 
get through a leadership course. I mean, you know, some leaders are made, some leaders are born. What is it you do to create a leader? Well, she's got a, a she's got a PhD in leadership, so she's put together an online course that's proved to be really popular that takes the uh, aspects of leadership and applies them to the equine industry. And she uses examples of, of people in the industry and some of her experience to get those across to our students. And again, that class is offered online. It's one of the few classes that we have online. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so popular. During COVID, um, a lot of students have, have started to really like that online offering. And we're actually considering um, providing some more of our courses online. We did that for our certificate course, and I'll talk a little bit about that now. We created this and actually launched it this fall. We la- launched the Horse Racing Industry Business Certificate. And it's, it's offered at the graduate level. And as I mentioned earlier, we did a lot of, a lot of focus groups. We did one Lexington-based. We did a national focus group. And we even did an international focus group to put the content together for this. And the unique thing about this is that this certificate is either standalone, meaning you can just take the nine hours, nine credit hours of the certificate, or you can apply those nine hours towards your MBA, your Master of Business Administration. And um, we've got some really cool courses in here, and Amy's actually teaching two of them. She's teaching our Horse Racing Industry Overview, which really goes into detail on a lot of the stakeholders in the industry. And she's also teaching our management and leadership of equine enterprises, and we included a leadership component in the graduate course as well. Now, to get into this, you have to have an undergraduate degree to be able to get into the graduate program, but it's we've launched it this fall. It's going through its paces, and it's been fairly successful so far. We had uh, a pretty good group of students at the first offering. Um, some of the other courses include a strategic communications course. We actually hired Dr. Sarah Mimi. Um, she's a, got a PhD from Duke. And she teaches in our marketing department, and she teaches for us. And she teaches these incredible things like crisis communication. How badly is that needed in our industry right now, John? <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. And um, we have a racetrack operation course that Michelle Fisher is actually teaching for us. And she's going to look at some of the international uh, wagering and bee pools and those kind of things that are happening across the country around the world. And then uh, we have an equine and sports analytics course that kind of really gets into the down and dirty numbers. And then your old friend, Bill Toby, is teaching our regulatory law in the thoroughbred industry course, which really focuses on the new HISA bill. So he's done a lot of homework on that. He's incorporated a lot of it into his course. The kind of cool thing about the certificate is the classes themselves are only five weeks long. So you can complete the entire certificate in 30 weeks if you want to, or if you're so, if you so choose and you want to sign up in January, you can do it in 15 weeks, taking two classes at a time. It's a lot of work. It is a graduate program, but you can do it in, in 15 weeks. So in one spring, you could have the certificate. Wow. That, that's sensational. Now with that certificate, it's just that as I went out in job searches someplace, <clears throat> whether it be, 
uh, whatever aspect of it, the, the, you know, working on a Kentucky farm or working at a racetrack or working for communications group, um, I would be able to say, Hey, I'm certified by the university of, of Louisville. Uh, what would the title be? And how, how would that help me? How would that certificate help me? You know, that's an interesting question. It's a good question, John. Um, it is a certificate. And, you know, I kind of correlate it to my own personal experience in the industry. When we were putting this thing together, um, during the course of my career, I've made it up to second in charge at several racetracks across the country. And I look at this program, and there's some things in here that probably would have helped me make it to the next level and actually be the person in charge at at a racetrack. And I think it's it's one of those things that helps take you to the next level. We're hoping, you know, we're not only are we offering this to to graduates coming out of our program, but we, we feel like this is going to have worldwide appeal because it is an online program. And we and we're hoping also that racetracks here in the States and also Canada will send some of their executives who might need that little extra push and a little bit more background in the industry and, and a little bit more education to help them advance their careers. And that's what we're hoping this certificate's going to do. Oh, Sean, that that's fantastic. Well, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm up against the clock, but I'm not going to give you the bums rush here. I want people to say, hey, John, you kind of piqued my interest here, or uh, maybe I could present this to somebody in my family that might be interested. Um, where do people go, Sean, to get more in-depth information or perhaps a number where they could call somebody to get some guidance about or through the program? But they can go to our website through business.louisville.edu and find the information on the equine industry program. And in there is everything about not only our graduate certificate, but also our undergraduate program. We also have an undergraduate certificate as well. And it kind of gives you a look at everything that is all equine. Plus, it also has a link to some of the research that Dr. Tom Lambert's been doing, some of the economic research that he's been conducting. He's starting to put together on various things. He did a big piece on um, the economic impact of the new Turfway project in Churchill Downs and the project that they have up in the uh, your neck of the woods uh, just uh, south of Cincinnati. All right. We've been talking with Sean Byrne, University of Louisville. They're a great program in so many ways. They just have a hard time beating the University of Dayton in basketball. With that, Sean, I will let you go. Thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies. And I want to thank Clint Bentley. I'm telling you, folks, if you get a chance to see this movie, it's pretty simple. It's called Jockeys, but it is an award winner. You will absolutely love it. I want to thank our producer, Andrew, for keeping me in line but most importantly i want to thank you for listening and wish you all a great time during the holiday season for winning ponies i'm john Engelhart. bet with your head not over it thanks for listening to winning ponies with john Engelhart. we hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.